Amen. You may be seated. Give thanks for your your voices, for your hearts, for your presence here uh, as well this day. I want to give a special thanks to um, some some Girl Scout friends uh, who are here uh, this morning. And uh, they're going to be out um, just out here after worship the table with some uh, some Girl Scout cookies. Um, And if you I heard if you buy Girl Scout cookies and eat them, they actually help you lose weight. Um, So it's something magical about them. Especially the thin mints. Hint, hint. Um, also, just wanted to thank uh, folks who served yesterday at New Bethel uh, Baptist Food Pantry. Um, just as a reminder, this is something that's the third Sunday of every month. Um, and I'm just crazy enough to think that we, we can actually get more than three or four people from our, from our church helping. And they have, a good, they have a good contingent from New Bethel, but I think we can have... Uh, a good contingent from here, too, to help them uh, on, the, on the third Saturday of every month. So thanks for those who helped. Uh, if you haven't before, it's really, it's really fun. Um, you know, you get the rest of your Saturday, too. You're finished by 10 o'clock. Um, so just, in, just encourage that. Um, well, since the start of the new year, we've been in the midst of a sermon series called New Year, Same Promises. New Year, Same Promises. We know that despite our best intentions... New Year's resolutions tend to fade. Uh, Maybe some of ours have already faded away. But God's promises do not. God's promises do not. And that's why we've been looking to, to build 2020, indeed our very lives, on God's beautiful, unchanging, unshakable promises to us. Promises like... The promise of presence, the promise of belovedness, the promise of redemption, the promise of purpose, the promise of blessing, the promise of direction. All all of these promises are promises, promises worth living in and living for. They're all good news. And today, in the final sermon in our series, there's yet another amazing promise, and it is the promise freedom the promise of freedom freedom no not not that just god promises us freedom the question is the question is what do we do with it let's pray god open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day we pray that it would take root there uh, that it would grow us and transform us by your grace that we might bear fruit for your kingdom we pray in jesus name amen our scripture passage this morning comes from um, Deuteronomy chapter 30. You're reading verses 15 through 20. I invite you to listen, listen carefully for God's word. Uh, it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, this is Moses speaking to the people on behalf of, of God. Look here. Today I've set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. If you obey the Lord and your God's commandments that I'm commanding you right now, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments, his regulations and his case laws, then you will live and thrive and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and so are are misled, worshiping other gods and serving them, I'm telling you right now that you will definitely die. You will not prolong your life on the fertile land that you are crossing the Jordan River to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth as my witnesses against you right now. I have set life 
and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life so that you and your descendants will live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by clinging to him. That's how you will survive and live long on the fertile land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Choices, choices, choices. We are a people in a nation of choosers and choices. The ability to choose and the, the liberty to, to do so has always kind of been a bedrock of how we understand freedom. I mean, that's a big part of what it means to be free, right? The ability to choose without compulsion or, or force. You know, really important choices like paper or plastic or medium or grande or uh, chips or fries or a fruit cup or salsa, cheese or guac, SUV or minivan, organic or regular, Duke or UNC or NC State, public school or private school or charter school, this candidate or that candidate, this church or that church. You know, sometimes even the simplest of choices we make out to be life or death decisions, even when they're not. Even when they're not. Freedom is a wonderful and yet terrifying thing. Some people, of course, face harder choices. Do I pay my light bill and go hungry this month? Or go hungry this month and to make sure that the power is on in our house? Do I tell people who I really am and risk disownment and hatred towards me? Or uh, do, I, uh, do I keep that all inside, keep pretending to be someone I'm not and, and wither away on the inside? Maybe you or, or, or somebody you know has been at that place where you're, where you're faced with a, with a terrible choice. Maybe it even feels like a life or death decision, but both options kind of feel fatal. You could stay where you are even though current circumstances would lead to to more soul-crushing unhappiness. You could venture out in painful vulnerability into the unknown, but that's a frightening risk. It's your choice alone. And you're free to make it. And so although it sounds crazy, maybe sometimes like we wish we didn't have that freedom and that choice to make. That some external force would just decide and determine for us. As stuck as, and as unsure as we might feel, it's the actual burden of the freedom to choose that's the most terrifying. We don't want to make the wrong decision. Freedom is a wonderful and terrifying thing. It's both life-giving and messy, producing joy and pain, life and death. And God promises it to us. God promises it to us. God promises freedom to us in all of its wonder and terror. Look here. Look here today. I set before you life and what is good. And death and what is bad. And what is wrong. These words are part of God's final words to Moses. Moses delivers to the Israelites and at this point, the, the Israelites have experienced the hardship of bondage when they were slaves in Egypt without freedom. They've been set free, liberated by God from that slavery, from that bondage. 
They have entered into covenant relationship with God. They've been entrusted with the law. They survived uh, the challenges of years upon years upon years of journeying in the wilderness. The Israelites now stand on a plain in between slavery and the promised land. As Moses prepares to die and they prepare to enter into that promised land. And giving God's message, Moses says that they have a choice. They have a choice. Choosing life or choosing death. Choosing to live with God and to listen to God and to to practice the ways of God. Or to choose to, to live without God. To not listen to God. To not practice the ways of God. And the choice rests with them. The choice rests with them. The people are left to exercise their free choice. In other words, this ability to choose represents God's promise of freedom. In effect, God is saying, I'm setting before you freedom. When you were in slavery in Egypt, those choices were made for you. You were told what to do. You were not free. Now you are. Now you can choose. The choice rests with them because you see it always has with God's people. God doesn't force God's self or God's love or God's ways on us because real love cannot be forced. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and called them good, when God created human beings in God's own image and called them good and God placed them in the middle of this good creation for them to rule and partner with God to bring about more beauty, God gave them freedom. God gave them a choice represented by a tree. Choose full and abundant life with God by trusting in God and God's ways or these these human beings could seize power on their own, be the center of their own existence apart from God. Again, the Israelites are given the same choice in our scripture passage today. They're free to choose life or death, good, wrong. In the New Testament, Jesus comes in his ministry and says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And once again, there is no force forcing people to say yes to Jesus' invitation to this life, to this kingdom of God. Some people say yes. Some people say no. Some people say yes, and then they say no. Some people say no, and then they say yes. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, humanity faces the freedom that confronts us in the cross. The freedom that confronts us in the cross. Choose life Excuse me, choose the old way to be human. Choose the old way to be human, a way that leads to death and wrong, or choose a new way to be human begun by Jesus. A new way to be human begun by Jesus with God, with dependence on God, that leads to true, full wholeness of life. God sets before us that freedom to choose because love cannot be forced. Freedom is a wonderful and a terrifying thing. 
So that promise of freedom, that choice stands before us just as it did God's people, the Israelites standing in between slavery and the promised land. Choose life, choose death. It sounds so easy. Of course we would choose life. Like, like, of course we would choose life. I mean, who would choose death? Surely not I, surely not you. So we tell ourselves. And yet, if we're, if we're honest, we know that we don't always choose life. I mean, just look at the world around us. Even though intellectually we may say that we choose life, our practices suggest otherwise. We veer towards death when we make idols out of politicians and ideologies, when we chase after shiny new things, when we spend hours of every day literally bowing to our smartphones, when we ignore the needs of others, when we cower before the injustices that confront us in their many forms. Within the church, we veer towards death when we make idols out of theological beliefs or keeping the, the right people in or out. And here's the thing, there's impact with all of those choices. There's impact on ourselves and others and the world with our freedom to choose. And the funny thing is, we find out that maybe we're not that free. When others aren't truly free, we aren't truly free. What's more, sometimes in the faces, face, of, face of the choices that we, we make, we would prefer to exchange our freedom for fate. We'd prefer to just exchange our freedom for fate. We don't know what to do with that wonderful and terrifying freedom that God gives us. It's like, do we, would we prefer a, a God who, who controlled us like puppets on a string? That just determines things for us, then we wouldn't have to make the the choices of life or death, good or wrong. God would just make some choose life, make some choose death, done with it. If we believe we're just fulfilling some kind of cosmic destiny, then that means things are out of our hands and we don't bear responsibility. You know, a lot of life is out of our hands, but That's because just as I'm free to choose life or death, so are you. And sometimes that bumps up against one another and each other. And our choices do affect others. God gives us freedom to choose. That doesn't mean we're going to be good caretakers with that freedom. I've set before you life and what's good and death and what is wrong. And there is, friends, there is nothing we can do to avoid that weighty freedom God gives us. It's a promise given in love, and love is weighty. Love is weighty. But here's, here's the sneaky good part about God with this promise of freedom, this choice set before us of life and death. Here's the sneaky good part. First, even when we choose death, even when we lean towards, veer towards death, God doesn't abandon us. God doesn't abandon us. Think about how many times God's people Israel went the wrong way with their freedom. I mean, that's pretty much the whole of the, of the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. 
how often they leaned towards death, and then how many times God subsequently brought them back to God's self again and again and again. Say, how could I forget you, Israel? How could I forget you? Can a mother forget the child nursing at her breast? Jesus' death and resurrection tipped the scales in a big, big way. Because when humanity couldn't, Jesus chose life every single time. So the death wouldn't win in the end. That same Jesus never gives up on us. Behold, I stand at the door, Jesus says, of your life knocking. The other sneaky good thing. Notice that even though God promises us freedom, doesn't force our love, doesn't force our choosing of life with God, God does woo us. God does woo us. You see it in the Deuteronomy passage. After God has, has laid down the freedom that Israel has, after God has given them the choice of life or death, good, and what's wrong, notice what Moses says, speaking for God at the very end. Now choose life. Choose life so that you and your descendants will live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying uh, his voice and by clinging to him. Choose life. And it's almost like a parent. It's almost like a parent, right, who knows that ultimately their son or daughter is going to be the one who has to make that decision. The parent can't make, can't make that decision for them. But that parent is not going to keep quiet because they love their child too much to not say anything to help them with the decision. It's like God begs and pleads and woos us toward life. Because God knows that it is, even, it is for an even greater freedom that God has given us this freedom. God knows that it is for an even greater freedom that God has given us this freedom to choose. Choose life with me. God's pleading, choose life with me, choose practicing life with me, choose goodness. Please, please, my beautiful, my precious children, I'm reaching out. I dare you to believe how much I love you. Freedom is a wonderful and terrifying thing. So embracing that promise of freedom that God gives to us means bravely grabbing hold of it and riding it towards life with God motioning, beckoning us to go that way again and again and again. Not just checking a box one time, but constantly, every day, turning all of our life towards God over and over again. Choosing, choosing life means practicing life with God. Practicing life with God is living into God's freedom, God's promise of freedom. There is nothing, friends, that we can do to run away from this promise of freedom that each and every one of us has. This promise of freedom is given in our ability every single day to choose life and what's good, death and what's wrong. That's a powerful gift. That's a risky gift. That's a, that's a gift rooted in love. What will we do with a promise like that? I'd like to do a kind of guided prayer as a conclusion to the sermon this morning, if that's okay. 
uh, I do this form of guided prayer called the examine every night. And, and this one this week, uh, not by coincidence, was entitled, Am I Choosing Life or Death? So I, I invite you to, to begin by just quieting yourself. Uh, let's just quiet ourselves, remind ourselves that, that we are in the, God's presence. Maybe take a couple of, of deep breaths and just, um, just center ourselves uh, in God's presence uh, in this place. And as we quiet ourselves, we slowly and prayerfully hear this scripture passage again. Look here, today I've set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. Now choose life. Choose life so that you and your descendants will live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by clinging to him. That's how you will survive and live long on the fertile land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Looking over the day yesterday in our mind's eye, looking over the day yesterday, we ask ourselves, did I choose life or death? Was the thrust of my life towards the good or towards the bad? We do not analyze or dissect the parts of our day. Instead, we look at the overall movement of the day. Was it toward life or toward death? Speak with God about this. Give thanks or ask for forgiveness and healing, whatever our hearts feel inspired to say to God. Now we, we prayerfully imagine tomorrow. Asking ourselves, if we were in freedom to choose life tomorrow, what would the day look like? What would it feel like? Perhaps we'll imagine certain things we will do or say that mean life for us. What will be our priorities? Maybe we simply pray about our interior disposition. Whatever, we speak with God about what it means to choose life tomorrow. If called to do so, we make a commitment to God, asking God to help us be faithful to that commitment.
we open up our hands and whisper in our hearts, thank you, God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.